knocking on doors, mowing lawns, and blessing people's lives, and uh, we pray that it'll have an impact on people and uh, draw them closer to God. Hey, we're out here on Camping Midwestern. We're headed out water and just loving on the community. So we're at the Foster Community Closet today to organize it, to get it um, ready for the community, foster parents, and actually anybody in the community who's in need to use the resources here. Serving our community and letting them know the love of Jesus. Come on, let's give God praise for that today. All the glory goes to Jesus. Amen. Man, I love it. I love, I love that you are serving. You're out making a difference yesterday. What an incredible day. And uh, uh, one of my favorite stories that, that I've heard so far is just, I, I love it. We had a couple car washes out yesterday. And, you know, most of the time when you see young people washing cars, you assume they're, they're raising money for something. We called it a $2 car wash. We wash your car. We give you $2 for letting us wash your car. And so uh, we had a couple of those going on around town. But there was other car washes out from people in the community that were trying to raise money. And so what we did is, after, you know, people would come through a car wash and they would want to give something. Like, oh, well, let us bless you. We don't need it. We don't need it. Like, this was for you. And so they would insist. And so anyway, they, the different car washes pulled their money together, went over to another car wash that was raising money for something and gave them all of the leftover cash. Come on. That's pretty incredible. I love that. I love it. Yeah. Just being the hands and feet of Jesus is really what it's all about. And, and, uh, and I, I, before we get it too far into the service, I want to look into the camera too and just welcome everybody. I, I met someone in this service today. They've been watching for a while, and today's their first time in person with us. So wherever you're watching from, we love you. You're not just a viewer. You're our church family. So come on, uh, uh, Cedar, uh, City Hope. Come on, let's, let's just welcome everybody online today as well. So glad that you're with us. And, and you heard it on the news video, but I want to just really clearly paint the picture for us that one of the values of City Hope is we believe in the power of prayer. And so coming up August 7th through the 27th is 21 days of prayer. And this is a time where I'm, I'm telling you it will change your life. It will make a difference in you. But you have to go all in with it. You really, really, really have to go all in with it. And one more thing before I forget is that um, in your worship guide, 
there is a serve connection card, all right? And so if you served yesterday and you thought, man, where has this been all my life? Like, why have I not done this before? I want to do it more often. We want you to do it more often because you're fulfilled when you do it. This is a great way for you to let us know that, that you're interested in that. You can let us know there um, and, and then the ways that you can serve. Just check the box. That doesn't sign you up for anything. It just lets us know that you're interested and we'll let you know about the opportunities that come up in the future. All right? Amen. Come on. Are, are, you, good? are, are you guys just... Are you excited to be in God's house today? I'm telling you, there's no place like, like church. I just love it. I love it. Well, I'm going to jump into the message because I have a lot of ground to cover, a lot of content that I want to cover with you guys today. And uh, we're in week number seven of a series we're calling Running with the Giants. And the idea of this series is, um, for those maybe of you who are new uh, to church today, is that... Um, the Bible talks about these giants of the faith that are in heaven. Hebrews 11 talks about giants of the faith. They've gone on before us, the, the people in the Old and the, the New Testament, who have gone on to heaven. They've gotten to where we're trying to go, and they've done what we're trying to do. Okay? So these giants of the faith are there, and we're down here on earth. So they're in the, the grandstands, they're in heaven, and we're on earth. We're taking laps around life, and we're just trying to imagine if these giants of the faith could come out of heaven, if they could come down to the track of life and take a lap with us, what would they want us to know? How would they encourage us to persevere? And if you're taking notes today, there's some blanks in your worship guide. So uh, um, take notes, but just know you're going to have to write fast because I don't have the fill in the blanks like I normally do, all right? So y'all be, be ready because we're going to jump into this. Let's start with our theme verse, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Uh, this is coming, of course, on the tale of Hebrews 11, which is about the hall of faith, the giants of the faith. And it says, since we have, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. And I, I just want to stop there. And I, I want to, can, can we just acknowledge that it's easy to sin? Come on, anybody here today would just say, yeah. <laughs> Come on, I hear you. Like the sin that so easily entangles us. No, no one in this room would say, yeah, I just have a hard time sinning. We're all like, yeah, yeah, that's me. It easily entangles us. And we've, we've said that this is the year of freedom for City Hope Church, for people who really want to take next steps and take off the mask and get free in their lives. It's going to require us to throw aside the things that hinder us and the sin that entangles us. Why? So we can run with perseverance, so that we can run with this attitude, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to throw in the towel. There's some things I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through some hard times, and that's why it's called perseverance, right? So how do we do it? And today, uh, we're going to talk about, I love this guy. We've talked about so many giants of the faith, but today, we're going to talk about Daniel. Daniel. Now, some of y'all... Uh, uh, you, you know who Daniel is. Uh, Daniel, he went from zero to hero. He's, he's another one of these Old Testament guys who, who he was just a nobody and God elevated him to a somebody. So uh, if you know about Daniel, it might be because of VeggieTales. <laughs> VeggieTales, VeggieTales, VeggieTales. Come on, y'all know. Broccoli, celery, gotta be. Yeah, yeah. Y'all know, know it. 
it's brilliant. It's brilliant, right? So you got this story of like there's Daniel in the lion's den. Then you've got the fiery furnace. Then you've got a hand in the book of Daniel that writes on a wall in unknown language that nobody can interpret except Daniel. And then the king turns into a wild animal, essentially, and he goes and lives out in the wilderness eating grass and just, just living like a wild guy. And, and then there's the, the three other Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and a belly goat. Okay? A, a billy goat. I promise you, when I was up till I was like seven years old, I thought his name was Billy Goat. <laughs> I was disappointed when I learned it was Abednego. I just, so, so we're going to learn about, uh, really, we're actually not going to talk about any of those situations today. Daniel faced a lot of challenges in his life, all right? Challenges that forced him to decide, are you going to bow down or are you going to stand firm? Are you, are you going to stand firm in your faith, or are you going to cave into the pressure around you? And I think if Daniel could come out of heaven, if he could come down to the track of earth, take a lap with us around life, I think he would say, hey, listen, you're going to go through some hard times, and there's going to be some points in your life where you feel like you're being forced to make a decision. You're being forced to choose one way or another. You're being forced, uh, you know, maybe it's through politics, maybe it's through social media, whatever it be. You feel, you feel forced to make a decision. When that day comes, here's what I think Daniel would say. Stand firm, love well. Stand firm and love well. Now, I'm not, this is a sermon that's about both of these, right? It's not either or. It's not stand firm or love well. I believe we have to do both of these. We have to stand firm and love well in the face, in the difficulty, in when, when culture causes us to decide. And so here's what I want to encourage us with today. From the onset, as a Christian, as a believer, if you, if you say, I'm a follower of Christ, the first thing we have to do is say that the Bible, the Word of God, is our standard. Like, that's, that's the first thing. Like, it's just not a good book. It's not something that it could apply in certain situations. It is the standard for every decision that we make in life. Amen. All right? And so with that in mind, knowing and understanding this is the standard, then we have, to, we have to be able to answer the question, when tough times come, when we are forced to, to decide, when we're forced to make a decision, are we going to stand firm or are we going to cave into the pressure of the world, right? And I want to show you how to do both. Today, it's a day about doing, let's do both. Because we're called to set the culture, not reflect the culture. I mean, what if the church was out setting the culture and not just letting the culture sh sh shape us? Right? Like, what if we were the engine and not the caboose? Come on, what if the church, what if Christians were, were setting the culture and being the example, not judgmental, we'll talk about that in a minute, but really being an example. And so we're going to learn from Daniel how he did that, how he influenced and impacted the culture that he was in. So let me set the scene for you. It's uh, Daniel chapter 1 is where we're going to be reading today, all throughout Daniel, actually a couple, couple different places, but um, what happened was the people of Israel, the, the people of Judah, had been far from God for many years. They had rejected God as king, and I just want to tell you that anytime you reject God as king, there will be consequences. Like There's it's, it's going to be consequences. So anytime you say, no, God, I think I, think I know better, like... There's going to be some hard times. 
We just need to understand that. And so the people of Israel and Judah had been far from God for years. They'd been following false gods, false idols, and God had warned them over and over and over again, if you don't change your ways, you're going to be led away in captivity. And finally, that day came when King Nebuchadnezzar conquered uh, Judah, and he took many of uh, uh, the Jewish people away into exile, okay? And that's where we pick up the story in Daniel chapter 1. It says that in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem, besieged it. So this is when he, he attacks it, he conquers it, and, and the Lord delivered. I just want you to notice today that, man, I'm a Christian. Woo, glory to God. I'm a Christian, and they can't no harm come to me, baby. I'm, I'm, I'm saved by grace. I've, God's on my side. And the Lord delivered Je- Jehoiakim. They, uh, they believed in God. Right? That maybe, it was, maybe they were practical atheists. They believed in God, but they acted like he didn't exist. That's good right there. Practical atheists. Just jot that down. You believe in God, but you live your life like he doesn't exist. And that's where these people were. And, and the Lord delivered him. I'm just showing you that sometimes the Lord will allow things to happen in your life to get you back to him. Okay? So uh, delivers the, the King Jehoiakim of Judah into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God, and he carried these off. I mean, these are important articles, all, all of these different things that they used in the temple of God. God allowed them to be stolen, to be taken to this foreign country in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. And then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. What does that mean? All right, so all of these exiles are coming into Babylon, but here's the thing. Uh, Like, not all of them are gonna be slaves. So they say, hey, we're gonna make everybody slaves except the the best and the brightest. The ones who, man, man, the ones who are, they're wise, it, it says it this way, the ones who don't have any physical defect, Handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning. The ones who are well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. We want the best and brightest to serve in the king's palace. And here's what we're going to do with you. We're going to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. And you say, well, that's not too bad. They're just learning a new language. No, we're going to tell you how to live. We're going to tell you what your life is going to be like. We're going to tell you how to believe. And we're going to change everything about you. And if you don't like the way it is, then you don't have to stay alive. That's, That's kind of the attitude, right? So we're going to teach them everything. We're going to teach them how to believe. We're going to change who these people are. And it goes on to say that the, that, that the king assigned to them a daily amount of food. And you're thinking, well, at least they got a good meal. <laughs> but the problem was this food was unclean. It was dirty, all right? So, so Jewish people, they, they don't eat certain things even that you and I eat. And so here they are in Babylon. And, and they're, they're being forced to eat unclean. Un, uh, it's, it's food that is defiled. It's been sacrificed to idols. And so they're going, man, I don't want to do this. I, I don't want to live this way. And so they were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. And among those who were chosen were some from Judah. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You have these 
four Hebrew friends here. And so what you just read, what we just read in, in these first six verses is the effect that culture can have on a generation. When a culture says, no, you're going to act this way. No, you're going to believe these things. No, this is the way it's going to be. Or else, right? That's, that's the attitude here of the Babylonians toward the Jewish people. And I just want to, in today's message, I, I don't want to, I'm not angry. <laughs> but I, I want you to get this. I want you to, like to understand it and believe it and apply it. But you need to know that culture has an agenda. And when I say culture, I mean in the same way that God has a plan for your life, Satan has a plan for your life. God loves you and has a plan for your life. Satan hates you and has a plan for your life. So let's just accept that, that culture has an agenda. So what does culture want to do in our life? Well, number one, if you're taking notes, culture wants to change your identity. What do you mean? See, you're, you're, everybody has a name here, and with your name comes a story. We know a lot about you just by your name. Benjamin Daniel Murray, that's my full name, right? And, and Benjamin, son of the right hand. My, my dad wanted to name me Benoni, son of suffering. Uh, <laughs> he used to call me that. Uh, son of my suffering. So Benjamin, son of my right hand. Uh, Daniel, God is my judge, right? But there was a long time in my life when I did not live up to those names, right? And I was living by a different script. Some of you are living by a different script. You're living by what the world says. Let me ask you, are you living a, a script by what the world says about you, by what culture says about you, or are you living by the, the script that God has for your life? Because you, you, have, you have a choice. You can do it the world's way or you can do it God's way, Right? And so culture wants to change your identity. Let, let me show you this. Uh, and I think this will make it really practical for us. The first thing when they get to Babylon, the first thing that they do is change their names. The chief official gave these, these Hebrew boys new names. Now what does, that, what does that matter? To Daniel, he gave the name Belshazzar. Or as we, and I grew up in East Tennessee. So as we might say, Belshazzar. Okay, no Belshazzar. Uh, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach. See, some of y'all, you guys, you actually thought that their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abilico. Not a, bin, a billy goat, but Abednego. Uh, you thought that was their names, but they actually had Hebrew names. Uh, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and he changes their names. And here's what I'm trying to help you see today is that culture and Satan will do everything that Satan can to redefine you, to change your identity. And, uh, just look at these names, okay? Um, to Daniel, Daniel's name is God is my judge, but he changes his name to Belshazzar. Lady, get out there and protect the king. What, what is that? He changes his name from male to female. And this is not a political statement, it's just I'm, I'm teaching, I'm the Bible teacher, this is what I do. Every time that there's a, a, a society and a culture that falls away from God, there's always gender confusion part of it. Every time. Sexual immorality like crazy, every single time. And this is what's happening here in Babylon. Hey, we're going to change your name. Now you, now you have a feminine name. Yeah, you, 
Lady, get out there and do your job. Get out there and protect the king. In every culture that turns away from God, there's gender confusion. Why? Because the devil wants to keep you in, uh, uh, in confusion. He wants to mess up your relationship with God and with other people. You hearing me? That's what, that's what it is. All right? So to Hananiah, Hananiah's name means Yahweh has been gracious. Oh, God, you've been so good. But he says, your God's not good. Look where you are, Shadrach. You're, you're now fearful of God. If your God cared for you, he wouldn't have let this happen. You see? Changing their names. Uh, from Mishael, who can compare to my great God? Nobody. So now, uh, Mishael, if, you're, if your God was so great, why is he letting this happen to you? No, you're, you're despised. He doesn't care for you. You're contemptible, and you're humiliated. What, what, what is that? He goes, from, he goes from confidence to cowardice. Watch this. Um, Abednego, his name was Azariah. Yahweh has helped. You've always been there. God, you've always been there to Abednego, the servant of Nebo. So from son of God to slave of man. He changes their names. And this is what Satan wants to do. It's what the enemy wants to do in our lives is to change your identity. And let me, I, just, I, just, I just feel like right now, if Daniel were here, he would say this. He, he would say with certainty that the God who made you is the only one who has the right to define you. Come on. Let's give God praise for that. He's the only one who has the right to define you. So culture shifts. Culture is going to go this way, and that's going to be blown back and forth. But you've got to know in the middle of all of the shifting sands of culture that you are not who the world says you are. You are who God says you are. Amen. That's good stuff. All right, here's, here's a, a, another verse. Con, the story continues. It says that, that Daniel resolved not to eat the food. Okay, so remember, the, there's unclean food set before them. And Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And, and just notice that he doesn't, come into the, he doesn't come into the food hall going, I'm not eating this stuff. There's a bunch of pig slop in here, you bunch of heathens going to hell. My gosh. He doesn't do that. He doesn't come in Bible thumping, the word of God says. He doesn't do that. He just says, hey, um, man, we're, we're not used to eating food like this. Uh, you know, back, back in, I know we're not in Judah anymore, but um, we've, we've never eaten pork and we've never had food sacrificed to idols. It's just not part of our culture. And he was really polite about it. And, and he asked for permission. He says, if it would be okay, we'd really prefer not to eat this. So he didn't say, I'm not eating this mess. Who do you think? He doesn't, he doesn't do that. He says, if it'd be, if it'd be okay, we'd, we'd like to not eat this. And, and, um, and what, what happens here? What's he doing? Uh, he's, he is, he's asking, and he's saying, I'm standing firm, but I want to love well. I'm, I'm standing in my beliefs that I'm not going to go there. I'm not, I'm not going to be rude. I'm not, it's never okay to be rude, by the way. It's never okay to do that. I'm not going to be disrespectful. I'm going to stand firm, but I'm just going to ask, would you, would, you mind if we could, would you mind if we didn't have to do this? And here's the thing, church. Um, that the world, you have a standard, but you know what? The world doesn't care about your standard. Culture doesn't care about your standard. In fact, number two, culture wants you to compromise your standards. Culture wants you to say, eh, it's, it's okay. 
It's not that big of a deal. It won't make a difference. It's not going to hurt anything. Come on, are you with me? It's, it's, I mean, what's, what's it, what's it going to do? I mean, if, if I went through with this, nobody will know. So it wants to compromise your standards. And some of you feel that today. You feel that push to compromise. Maybe for some of the young ladies in the room, it's the date, right? And you feel a, a push to compromise maybe your virginity. Maybe for the guys, it's the locker room talk or the water cooler talk. And, and it grieves you, but you don't know what to do. You don't know, do I, do I walk away? Do I get mad and throw my, my Bible at them? No, no. You stand firm, love well. I'm going to show you how to do this, okay? All right, let's keep the story going. It says that, that Daniel comes in with a good attitude. He asked for permission, and God caused the official to show favor and compassion. Notice that. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, uh, what is it, Daniel? How can I help? But the official told Daniel, he says, look, Daniel, I've just got to be honest with you. I'm afraid of our master. I'm afraid of the king who has, he's the one who's assigned your food and drink. And he says, why should he see you looking worse than the other young men that you're with? The king says, uh, he says, the king would kill me if he saw you looking worse. So here's what Daniel does, okay? Again, Daniel doesn't get upset. He, no, he just says, hey, um, what if we did this? All right, let's try this. Test us for 10 days. I, 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 know, I, know, you've got, I know you've got quota to keep, and I know you've got a certain expectation on you, but what if we did this? Test your servants for 10 days. This is where the Daniel fast comes in. If you've ever heard of that Daniel fast, vegetables in water, okay? Give us nothing to eat, except vegetables and water to drink, and then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat us in accordance with what you see. What is he saying? Hey, if we go through these 10 days and we're worse than those guys eating the royal food, you win. But if, if not, hey, if we're just as strong, just as healthy, let, let us keep doing this. And so the, he agreed to this and tested them for 10 Days. Here's, what, here's the third thing that culture wants to do, okay? Culture is creating a confrontation, okay? So it's a test. There's going to be a test out there. You're going to be tested in your walk with Christ. You're going to be tested in your faith, and some of you feel that today. You feel it at work. You feel it in your job. You feel it in school, in society. And our faith's going to be tested. But here's, here's the thing. When culture tests us when let me say it this way when culture goes off the deep end we have to decide what our response is going to be and we might as well just go ahead and decide that now and live it now and not have to make that decision later are you with me right right and and by the way it's based on the word so so when culture goes off the deep end we have to decide what what is our response and what i've seen from the church the capital c church for the last many years, is I've seen the wrong responses. The church usually responds one of two ways, okay? The first way, both of them are wrong, by the way, but the first way is they respond dogmatic. They, they start preaching on street corners, you bunch of blah, and, and, and you've seen them, right? And, and they're waving the Bible. 
the Bible's the word of God, I get it, right? But they're, they're not making any friends. They're making enemies, and they get dogmatic, and they begin to say things like, like, I'm right, you're wrong, you better turn or you're going to burn. <laughs> Glory to God, if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. Say things, said things like that before, and here's the thing. Please hear my heart. You're right. You're right. Technically, you're right. You're just not helpful. What do you mean, Pastor Ben? I'm right. You admitted I'm right. Well, here's what I would say. If what you're doing is right, but it's not helping people get closer to Jesus, then maybe it's wrong. If it's right and it's pushing people away, maybe it's wrong. Are you, are you with me? So, so that's the first thing that I see is, is a dogmatic response. The other response that is wrong is when Christians put their heads in the sand and they act like nothing's wrong. Nothing's, no, there's no problems out there. Everything's good. And the church begins to look a whole lot more like culture. Then, are you here? So... So we just stick our heads in the sand. Oh, it's okay. Hey, we'll say things. The churches have said things like, hey, well, you know, everybody's welcome. God loves you just as you are, and he doesn't, he wants you to stay as you are. He loves you just as you are, and you can stay as you are. He doesn't want you to change. He doesn't want you to grow. He doesn't want you to become more like him. No, no, no. You can just stay just as you are. And there's a, there's a generation of Christians, unfortunately, that are setting the Bible aside in the name of love. And that's not right either. So those they're two extremes and they're and they're both wrong. And so what do we do? Pastor Ben, you've made a case. What do we do? Okay? How do we how do we stand firm and love well then? I'm going to show you. I'm going to teach you. And this is something I think I think Daniel would say, you just need to look to Jesus. Cuz he did it perfectly. All right? Daniel did it really well. Go read his story. It's an incredible story. He did it well. Impacted and influenced the culture around him in a positive way. But I think if he were here today, he would say, let's see how Jesus did it. Now, Jesus was perfect, right? He was holy. He was righteous, blameless, sinless. I mean, he was, if, if you've ever heard the term holier than thou, I mean, he was holier than thou, right? I mean, that was Jesus. Yet, tax collectors, prostitutes. Lepers, sinners, Pharisees, people were drawn to Jesus. How? I mean, he's holy. He stood firm, but he loved well at the same time. That's how they were drawn to him. He didn't push them away. And so let me show you. Let me, let me show you uh, this, this idea. It comes from um, John chapter 1, verse 14. It says that the Word became flesh. The Word is Jesus, capitalized there. Word became flesh, made His dwelling among us, and we've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, Jesus, who came from the Father. How did He come? How am I supposed to stand firm and love well? Well, here's how. Full of grace and truth. This is how Jesus did it, and this is what He would teach us today. That's what I want to show you today. How do we... How do we stand firm, love well? Full of grace and full of truth. Okay? He never compromised his faith. He, stand, he stood firm, but he loved well at the same time. So, what is, what is grace and truth? 
Let's start with truth. What is truth? Truth is God's standard. It's God's standard. Well, what is God's standard, Pastor Ben? God's standard is his word. This is his standard. Right? Um, Let let me say it this way. Uh, Jesus said it this way. Sanctify them by the truth. Well, what's truth? Your word is truth. Okay? It's the word of God that is truth. And I want to make a statement. I, I, I don't make statements. Um. And this is not a political statement. I don't do that, right? But, but I feel like to get the point across, I need, I need to just make this statement today. And the statement is that everybody is welcome at City Hope Church. Doesn't matter who they are, where they're from, what they did, right? Doesn't matter. As long as you love me, baby. Doesn't matter. Everybody's welcome. Before you believe, you can come to church here and be an agnostic, be an atheist. You can, you, can, you can feel like, I don't even believe in all of this stuff. You're welcome here. This is the place for you. Man, you're supposed to be here. Even before you believe, you belong. Amen, everybody? Amen. I believe that with all my heart. I believe it. That's, that's, so that's what I want to say. Everybody's welcome here. Oh, but at the same time, I also need you to know that we also believe that this is the perfect, infallible, authoritative, absolute word of God. It is. It's the word of God. And it does not change. Some people would say, yeah, the only reason y'all growing like that down there is because you, you just let anybody in. <laughs> kind of the point, right? This point, uh, I, I, we used to say it this way. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, it might shock you a little bit, but yeah, we welcome everybody. Everybody's welcome here. Doesn't matter who they are. We'll take anybody and love the hell out of them. Just love the hell right out of them. Just love it out of them. Can't believe he said that. Hey, culture may change, but God's word doesn't, everybody. It's the same, and I just feel like we need to, we need to, we need to put some roots in the word of God and not in the culture. Culture is going to shift, and it's going to change, and we need to love our culture. We need to love the people. We need to love our neighbors who may not believe and act and think like us. Absolutely. But at the same time, notice this. So, so everybody's welcome. This is the absolute word of God, but let's think about it this way. If, if we had to get our lives right before we could come to church, this would be an empty room today. This would be an empty room. Like, none of us would qualify. So, we need God's truth in our lives. We, the truth is, this is a place for everybody, and this is the word of God. We believe it's authoritative in every way. Now, what's grace? Okay? Grace is God's favor. Some might say that it's his empowerment to do what he's called you to do. Favor. This kind of favor, though, is an unmerited favor. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. You couldn't work for it, okay? It's God's favor. So uh, let me say it this way. It's the kind of favor that Jesus showed by dying on the cross while we were still sinners. While we were still sinning, while we were still doing things our way, while we were still turning our back on him, he loves us. He loves us just as we are, but he doesn't want us to stay as we are. That's the beauty. That's grace and truth together. He loves us as we are. That's grace. 
doesn't want us to stay as we are. It's truth. Are you following me? Okay. So, so let me say it a, a different way. The, the grace of God is amazing. It is unmerited. It is, this favor is unmerited. It is incredible. And, and let me say this about the grace. Because of his grace, he refuses to let anything you do qualify you to get to heaven. Do you, do you understand that? He refuses to let anything you do qualify you for heaven. So you can't give enough. You can't serve enough. You can't read your Bible enough. You can't go to church enough. You can't pray enough. You can't do anything enough. No, you are saved only by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that you have done. Because if it was, you could say, look at me. Look what I did to get to heaven. It's not that. So, so let, me, let me help you understand a little bit why we need both truth and grace. And I've got to hurry. Okay, these are Daniel's last words. Daniel's been walking with us for a little bit. He's told us a little bit. He's, he's told us what culture wants to do. He's about to go back up into the stands. And he would, he would look at us and he would say, listen to me. Get this. You've, you've got to understand. If you want to stand firm and love well, you need to know that without truth, you will become worldly. Without truth, you won't be any different than anybody else. Without truth, there's no standard in your life. And he, he would say, you've got to have truth. But the second thing he would say is, without grace, you'll be judgmental. Without grace, you'll say, <laughs> at least I'm not like them. Without grace, you'll say, you know, I, I know I'm not perfect and I mess up a couple times a year, but uh, I'm so thankful I'm not like these heathen over here. Without grace, you begin to kind of cast judgment and cast shade on other people. In fact, when, before we started this church in 2018, uh, we, were, we were doing launch parties and and we started the church in 2019, but in 2018, we were building teams, and um, we did a survey online. A couple hundred people participated in this survey, and they answered one question. And the question was, why don't you go to church? And the number one answer was, because y'all are judgmental. Well, that's the kind of church I don't want to be if I'm going to reach people. Come on. And, and so... Let me, let me say it this way. Uh, we're talking about truth and grace. Uh, truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. Uh, without truth, you're corrupt. Without grace, you're condemned. Truth without grace is anesthesia. Is surgery without anesthesia. Let me say it that way. Truth without grace is like having surgery without anesthesia. Anybody want that? But here, grace without truth is like a medicine bottle and no pills in it. Grace and truth together are the medicine. Does that make sense? Okay, I got to move on. Grace invites us to be free. It says, come on, come on, just as you are, truth sets us free. Truth says there's a better way. Come on, there's a life worth living. You don't have to keep going down this path. There is a way that you can be free. All right. So I'm going to wrap up really fast. I'm going to talk fast, okay? I feel like I've been talking fast all service long. But 
Here we go. I'm going to show you the principle that plays out in a story about Jesus, okay, where he shows truth and grace, truth and grace. And it's in John chapter 8, verse 1 through 11. It says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he got back up and went to the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and he taught them. And as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. Now, I'm just going to stop here and just, I'm, I'm pondering, I'm wondering, how did they catch her in the act of adultery? Unless, let's peep and toms, right? Like, uh, Rabbi, you need to do something about this. We caught this woman in the act of adultery. We're like, like it's, it's, I just wonder, why are we so good at pointing out everybody else's sins and not our own, Right? So we caught this woman, and they put her in front of the crowd, and they said, Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says you have to kill her. you got to stone her. But what do you say, Jesus? So they said this because they wanted to trap him. All right, Jesus, are you going to go with truth and, and stone her and then be responsible for her death? Or, Jesus, are you going to go with grace and let her off the hook, but break the law. So they feel like they have him here. And the Bible actually says that they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. And it frustrated them. And they kept demanding an answer. So, so that he stood up again and he said, okay, okay. Let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Was there anybody that, there that day who had never sinned? There was one. Jesus. Think about it. He's the only one qualified to throw the stone. And he doesn't do it. Would you call that grace? <laughs> Come on, that's grace right there. If I've ever seen grace, that's grace. He's the only one who was qualified to throw it and he didn't do it. And so then he stoops down again and he wrote in the dust. <laughs> and I'm not sure, we, the Bible doesn't say what he wrote. But I think he stooped down and, and he began to write the names of the mistresses of the Pharisees. Maybe their secret sin. Julie. <laughs> Abigail. And, and maybe he begins to just kind of point that out. And, and, well, I don't know about that, Pastor Ben. That just kind of seems far-fetched. I know. But the Bible says when they heard this, they started going, not me. I don't, I don't know what he's talking about. They begin to slip away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until Jesus was the only one left there in the middle of the crowd. And he says, Woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? And she says, no, Lord, nobody. And Jesus says, neither do I. Here's the truth. Go sin no more. Go and sin no more. I'm not going to condemn you. Jesus even said in John, the Son of Man didn't come to condemn the world, but they would have life through him. And he says, I don't condemn you, but listen, you can't keep living the same way you've been living. 
You're going to keep getting the same. Are you tired of this? Are you tired of the sin? Are you tired of going from from man to man to man? Are you tired of going from 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 place to place? Are you tired of all of this stuff in your life? There's a better way, but you got to accept the truth of it all. Would you bow your heads with me today? When Jesus confronts our sins, I hope you hear my heart. When he confronts our sins, he does it in such a loving and kind way. I grew up thinking that Jesus was this angry God at me, always pointing out my faults and failures. I could never measure up until I realized what truth and grace were all about that that he he says I'm the only one worthy to condemn you go and sin no more leave this life of sin so I'm calling us as a church to hold God's word high in our lives let it be a high standard in our lives But I'm also calling us as a church to freely give the grace that we so desperately need. If you're here today, I'm just going to, I'm just, I'm going to give you two thoughts. If you're here and, and you need the grace part, like you've been all truth. And, and you've not really had any grace in your life. You've kind of been judgmental at times. I want to, I'm, I'm just going to pray. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm praying over every one of us. God, all of us today who at times can be judgmental and we can be harsh as Christians. And we can, we, can, we can draw that line in the sand, but we're not really showing grace. God, I pray that today we would remember those words of Jesus. Neither do I condemn you. But... Go and sin no more. Grace and truth. Lord, let us walk in that grace. Let us walk in that favor. Let us walk in that hope that we have in you. Giving that same grace to people in our lives. The grace that we need, Lord. And if you're here today and what you need is the truth part, maybe you've been living by grace. Maybe you've been living uh, so far from God. Maybe you've used grace as a license to sin and you're distant in your relationship with God. Maybe you're far from God. Maybe Maybe you're calling the shots in your life. You want to do things your way. You're in charge. It's your way. But today, you, f- you just feel this tug in your heart to come back to Jesus today. Maybe you're even a Christian living far from God. I want you to know, Jesus isn't mad at you. If he has a refrigerator in heaven, your picture is on that refrigerator. He is in love with you. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. And he desperately wants a relationship with you. But you have to accept the truth part of that relationship. And the truth is, you cannot have eternal life with Jesus unless you have a relationship with Jesus. We can't get to where we're trying to go. This cloud of witnesses, we can't make it to heaven without a relationship with Jesus. And it starts with a decision today that you would decide, I'm going all in. I'm giving my life to Jesus. And if that's you, on the count of three, I want you to slip up your hand. I'm going to lead you in a prayer today, okay? If that's you, one, two, three, I'm ready to go all in with a relationship with Jesus. Come on, I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Who else would say that's me, Ben? I see you back there. Anybody else would say that's me? Top, I see you. 
Anybody else? Five, six, seven, hands up. Come on, I'm so proud of you. Amen. All right. For everybody who lifted their hand today, let's say this prayer together. Let's say it, say it out loud and with all of our heart. Let's say, Jesus, I give you my life. I turn to you. Heart, soul, mind, strength. Would you forgive me? Cleanse me. Purify me. Make me more like you. I choose to live by your truth and your grace. I receive them today. I am your child. You are my God. And I will live for you the best that I know how for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.